These tools are for you to use. I'm Dave Marr. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My guest on the podcast this week is Nate Verone. Nate is an incredibly funny comedian, literally um, d- did one of the, the best live bits I've ever seen in my life, which unfortunately would be almost impossible to describe. Um, It basically involved him being an Italian rapper, banging on a pot with a spoon, um, just screaming the words pasta sauce over and over again, rhythmically. Um, It makes me laugh. But again, it's it's very, very difficult to communicate uh, a bit like that in an audio medium without the full context. But suffice it to say, I'm very excited. If you're not familiar with Nate, Nate is one of these people who you will discover him and wonder where he's been all your life. So I'm excited for you to hear this conversation. If you like this show, or if you're just hearing this show for the first time and end up liking it, I ask you to support the show. There are two big ways you can do that. One is just by telling friends that you like the show and that you think they might. Don't tell your friends who wouldn't like this show. Think, who are your smart friends? Who are your emo friends? Who are your deeply feeling, thinking friends? Don't give me any of the schlubs. Just just bypass them entirely, you know? Um, so you can, you can do that by rating the show. You can do it by reviewing the show and whatever your apps are, or just sending a screenshot and saying, hey, I think you'll like this. The other way you can support the show is financially. I do this um, because I need to express things. I got shit to say. So um, if you value that shit, you can go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr and get extended versions of the episodes of This Is Your Afterlife. You can get bonus content. You can get a shout out in the show. Um, I will shout out my Pigeon Level subscribers, Susie Carroll, Fred Fidewa, Kurt Chang, and Katie Llewellyn. You can be among those, uh, that elite group. And you can get things like playlists and behind-the-scenes peaks, all that kind of stuff. So I would love to have you on the Patreon. I recently simplified it, and I'm excited uh, for people to join and get that community kicking up a notch. So... That is what I've got. Um, I'm especially excited for this episode because Nate and I, very early on, you'll hear, we got to talk about one of my favorite subjects uh, as a former evangelical Christian kid, uh, the subject of speaking in tongues. It's something I have a lot of thoughts about, got to get some of those thoughts out. Um, so without further ado, let's get into those thoughts and enjoy this conversation with Nate Verone. I grab your whip and take it back to Chi-Town. When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat it like... You want to talk about death? Let's do it. Let's, right. I would love to talk about death. All right, bro. Well, um, what do you hope happens when you die? I hope that something happens. I hope that something happens when I die. And I would really, really love it if there was something that happened after I perished. But I don't know what happens after I die. Are there things that you definitely would not? Are there there some things 
that could happen that you would not want? Some things that could happen. Like I was going to say, is there anything that you would not want to happen? And I assume you would say, well, I hope something more than nothing happens. But if you're saying I want something to happen, is it like, okay, well, if you have to stand over a stove and watch water boil, is that an acceptable something to happen? You know what I mean? I think just if I was like conscious in like any way, shape or form, even in maybe even in hell, like if there was a hell, like in the the Christian sense, like, Uh I I don't know if I, that sounds crazy to say, like, I would rather be in hell than not exist, but I would, I would, I just want to check it out. Like, I wish I could go to hell or heaven, whatever there is out there, just, just dip in for a second. Cause it's like, I would love to experience, you know, what that would be like. So are you in my boat of just like, you think of the idea of like non-existence of like no consciousness and it's just like utter terror? Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like not existing. Like it, it terrifies me. And I think as I've gotten older, I have like, um, I don't know, come to terms with not existing, but I, it, it, it like terrifies me that I, my consciousness will just like, not exist at all and then it sucks because it's like you won't even know that you won't exist if you don't exist so why worry about it and it's like this constant terror of like well why fucking worry about it if you know you 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 won't even know it's happening i know and i forget who i talked to recently that said that like okay yes but i know now that it will happen and that's what freaks me out yeah. You know, it's like, okay, sure. Then maybe it won't freak me out, but it's freaking me out right now. So like, that's what sucks. Like I, I, yeah, I totally, I feel that. I think I'm coming less to terms with it. I, as, okay. as I get older, I don't feel like I'm chilling out about this. I feel like it's becoming a pretty bad look to be a guy who's aging and being like, Okay, but uh, <laughs> this can't keep going on for much longer, right, guys? You know, I do get why people in their older age like are attracted to religion more. You know, because it's like as you get older, you're like, yeah, I, I could see how people could uh, really get into the idea of a heaven. You know, yeah, like cause it's like you're putting all this work into this this world and. Like, it would be nice if there was, like, a little vacation afterwards, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. damn. Well, but then, see, I think about that. And a big – so a big part of my thought around this stuff is, like, um, I think about, like, cowardice. And I'm like, I don't want to just believe something because it's comfortable. The idea – and – but this is where it gets fucked up on my part is I start to associate truth with discomfort. It's like it can't. If it's comfortable at all, it must not be true, which is like saying like you're in a happy relationship and you're like, well, this mu- this relationship must not actually be like the right one because I'm like really happy in it. So something's probably fu- it's like, no, I think there's a problem in your brain, man, if that's like the way that you're thinking about it. But there is so someone aging into religion. I'm like, well, no, 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 no. They're doing it because they're scared. It can't be true. Yeah. But Yeah. Did you grow up with a religion? Is that – because I did, and I'm wondering if that is part of your freak out. 
Yeah, very much so, like deeply religious. And um, I grew up non-denominational and my dad worked in the ministry and he was a the music director of the like two churches um so i grew up you know steeped in the shit you know have we talked about this i don't know if we have like because that is my same shit i mean my dad wasn't the music director but the denomination of non-denominational yeah 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 did you guys speak just like Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Most oh, people I talk yeah. to are like, are like, well, no, we didn't go that far, but yeah. How do you feel about speaking in tongues? Well, I had, uh, have a vivid memory of the day in youth group when they were like, all right, we're going to teach everybody how to speak in tongues. Oh my And God. it was like one of the most awkward moments of my life. Cause I was like, had never like, really done it and i just witnessed you know people do it on stage and uh and yeah just as they're preaching and they're like okay like we're gonna try it out and like but they were like you know you can only you only have to come up if you're comfortable and like pretty much everyone went up and i was one of the few kids that didn't and i was like sat in my seat so i was just like sitting there as all these kids were like practicing speaking in tongues at the same time and it was like (laughs) (laughs) wait so how did they teach people they were just like, you know, let the spirit like just come through you and whatever comes out is, you know, like there's no like my I remember my dad. I know exactly how he like speaks in tongues. Like he has this specific like. Phrase. Yeah, it's this. It's the same uh, like three syllables. There's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. There's the like la 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 people. It's like kala talaba kala la 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 la. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah or there's yeah. the like esh. There's the esh people. The like. Mesh teresh, mesh kesh kesh good get yeah. and you're like, yeah, that shit's wild, dude. My dad I, was like, shut up. He was like a lot of. He was like drift off, and he would be like on this like double decker synth, like at the one church. He like he played and sang at the same time. I was gonna ask what he would be like. He would be like riffing, like dun dun, like fucking going at like double decker synth, just raging out, praise and worship going so hard and you like just the spirit <laughs> Dude, when you describe it like that i'm like uh because i've actually conceptually i really fuck with speaking in tongues but which i'll talk about in just i'll say why in just a second but what you just described as a moment of performance that sounds amazing dude to yeah, just be yeah. like in it on your double decker synth and you're like rocking out it's and you're yeah. like speaking in tongues like the performers high you would get from that s- seems like incredible Good god i feel like go on and say what uh, your your view on speaking in tongues um, well i just think it's cool because it like i'm very into like um it, it, things that are ineffable like the like one of my like more and more one of my foundational beliefs is like basically words kind of can't communicate anything and the idea yeah. that like tongues is this like private language between you and God. And there's something kind of like mystical and ritual about it. Like, I don't like the performative aspect of it, but the idea of like just saying some shit that you don't understand at all, but it like somehow communicates things you don't even know you need to communicate to a higher power. Like I fuck with that shit pretty heavy. Yeah. You know what? As I, I haven't thought about it like conceptually in a while, but I'm like, I kind of like it too because it's like a moment 
especially for a lot of Christians are very uptight people in my experience. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's, that's like a moment when they can just like really like let go and just like, like just let, just be weird kind of. And it's like almost like acceptable in a community standpoint to be like fucking like crazy and weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In front of all these people too. And kind of no one really talks about it. Like no one afterwards is like debriefing the like tongue session. No one's like, oh, Margie went fucking ham (laughs) up there today. Everyone just goes about their day and goes Uh, to like old country buffet or whatever and just – uh, yeah nobody yeah nobody like debriefs like that you were like really went hard in that like shut up I love yeah <laughs> i want to ask you about funeral planning do funeral you have planning. any do you have any funeral plans what would they be doesn't have to be a vision of a whole event but uh what are what are some essentials or some things you definitely don't want. At, you at know what? I, I have like kind of a paranoia about like the cremation because I feel like I love like future technology and that stuff. And, um, and I feel like there might be some technology, you know, in 2120 or something like that, that where you can like reanimate a body. And I want to be there. Like, I want to be like a body that can be, you know, not burn to a crisp to be able to experience that, you know? So I definitely also have the technology to reconstitute the body from all the, from the cremains. I don't, I'm not a scientist, Dave, but I don't, I think that's (laughs) too far into the future. Like they might get there (laughs) in like 2,500. I feel like my body would be decayed at that point. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But so with your, would you want to stay like you would down to be down to have your the body you had at the moment of death to have that reanimated. Yeah, you need totally. some upgrades, right? Totally, and at that time there probably will be like you'll be able to cyborg it out. Yeah, I think I want to be. Um, I, I haven't thought about the the whole funeral thing, but I think I would want to be frozen. I guess like uh, you know Walt Disney style. That's like expensive, right? Your whole body frozen or just head frozen? Whole body. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Have you looked Absolutely. into costs on that at all? Nope, not at all. <laughs> Have not you ever done all. like uh, cryotherapy or anything? No, I haven't. Have you? No, but there's a place around the corner from my apartment that I look at all the time, and I'm like, I really, I really would like to do that. And hopes like, why? And I'm like, I don't know. It just seems like fresh and yeah, clean I'm into and it. like just that shock. And she's like, but it's so cold. And I'm like, but I'm not thinking about the cold. I'm thinking about stepping out and what that moment is like. And just like, Oh, I feel like it would really solve like all my problems. It probably would, you know, probably would. I think it would. (laughs) And you need to do it. I'm with you on that one. I would definitely like, you know, like I think athletes sleep in kind of a a frozen, like, like LeBron, like the, you know, the billionaire athletes. Right. They sleep Tony Robbins like a, has like a cryo chamber, I think. Really? That he sleeps in? Not that he or sleeps in. he just in. chills in it. No, he, he, yeah, he does like a, a power, you know, 15 minutes or something like that. I don't know. So you're cold. You, you freeze your body. Any, any yeah. other, um, stipulations? Oh, you know, 
Um, I want. I honestly kind of like. I I guess I want it to be like. I I want people to know that it's like, like we can like you know chill out and you can like play embarrassing stuff of me and like roast me and like like I wouldn't take the it seriously. I don't think. And okay. I know like a death is like, it's like really tragic for people, but I, but I would hope there would be like, you know, underneath the tragedy and the sadness would be like, you know, Irish people do it. I think they do like funerals kind of, mm-hmm. they, they fuck it up in the funeral department. Like don't they yeah. get like wasted and then they like, it's like fun and it's laugh. Share laugh. stories and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Like I like that. Like I think I would want it to be, uh, as light as possible you know like i wouldn't mind like somebody taking my body out and like doing some i don't know some puppetry or something like weekend at bernie style shit yeah yeah like i wouldn't mind that like dude go crazy like this is this is a go crazy with it they just do all of your second city sketches (laughs) with your body no please do not do that dude do not do that why not I don't know. Just I don't want the, the second city sketches getting into my funeral. Okay, that's my okay. one stipulation. <laughs> no, no corporate. Influence. Nobody wants sat. Nobody wants to see satire at a fucking funeral. Like, yeah, I mean, it's art. I wouldn't say that all of your sketches are satire. You just no. had some weird sketches. Right? I guess you're right with my personal ones, but a lot of yeah. the ones I did. Were, you really transcended satire, you know, and that's correct. <laughs> yeah, that's what a lot of reviewers and people have said about me many times. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't fit with the cast because he's kind of transcending all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not like different or like not doing his job. He's just transcended. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like uh he's like he's he's different, but in a not bad way. <laughs> so any other things um, like food things, music things, location things? Mm, I would hope that I would be like rich, you know, by the time I die. And um, food, let's see here. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to stick somebody with a bill. You know what okay. I'm saying? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to stick somebody in my family, like having to pay for uh, a funeral. So, if I don't have the money, like, go bare bones with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, just do it over Zoom. Like, don't even do a funeral. If you, if, <laughs> okay. Like, I don't want. I don't want people wasting money on a on a funeral home and all that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. it. Like, I don't want to put my sister out. How much doesn't it cost? Like, like I've never had to plan one, but it costs like. Uh, you know, more than a what five k or something like. I wanted right? to see what your guess would be because I know I, I was I have, hoping you would jump in. I, I know I could tell. I could tell. <laughs> I, th- I think it can be like tens and thousands of dollars. exactly yeah. for what? Some the guy, the person's dead. The person's dead. We don't need to spend ten to twenty thousand. It's a, it's it's just capitalism scamming us once again after we're you know after we're done. I, I was just thinking the other day about how fucking crazy it is that people get saddled with their dead relatives' debt. 
I'm like, yeah. get the fuck out of here. No fair. Like, Wait, is that true? It, like they don't like yeah. bankrupt style? Like you have to pay off like their No. Dead? So, I mean, I'm sure there's certain types of arrangements in certain places, but I've definitely heard of people having to pay off their dead loved one's debt. And it's like, fuck that, man. Like you lose on that one. Like if you're, if, if you're, if the guy expires, you don't get that money. Like no, relax, you know? No. Yeah, that makes me sad. I don't like that at all. <laughs> but also, if that if that didn't happen, do you think there would be some kind of like ring for people to like rack up credit card, you know, debt like like some scammers in that way? I don't think, think anyone's like a, I, I don't think anyone's holding back on racking up credit card debt because their loved ones might get saddled with it. <laughs> you know? I don't yeah, think anyone's right, like, right. whoa, 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 let's slow this down, guys. Mom's going to get, be be on the hook for this one. The next thing I have for you is a premise from the one man show that I based this podcast on, which is set in the afterlife. And I'm showing people features of the afterlife. And I say that in the afterlife, you get to fully relive one memory. So it's not that all the other memories are wiped. It's not that you're stuck in the memory, but you have to choose just one that you get to fully drop down into and physically relive whenever you want, however many times you want. Okay. You know what pops into my head is when in the sixth grade, I did a thing called outdoor education and they would take everybody from our grade and we would we went to like a cabin in the woods and it, i just remember it being like one of the happiest maybe like the happiest week of my life because i had like been on like one vacation in my life at that point and had like never ever been like outdoors and done uh you know been in the woods i had never been away from my parents also like I there's a lot of things going on. I was like in a cabin with like the the cool kids uh, and and a girl like told her cabin that she liked me and it was like one of the popular girls and I was like oh my god like I feel like I had like arrived like as like uh you know people liked me and I and there's some backstory to this I like had um went to a different school in kindergarten, first grade, fourth grade, and then fifth grade. So I was like changing schools a lot. And, you know, every year I'd have to start over and get a new group of friends. And, um, and this was like the second year into this school system. So I was like, I felt like I was like, you know, meeting friends and people were, people liked me and, I like crushed at this like talent show thing. Like I got just destroyed at this. I don't even know what it was. It was like a talent show or some sort of performance thing outdoors. What did you do? What was your act? I, I remember it was like a whose line is it anyway, kind of game where you had to like make something into something else. And I remember doing something like a chain. I, I, I have a, I like made something into like a porter potty or something. And like, it was, it just destroyed. Like (laughs) it felt so good. Like it was just the whole week was like, 
it was just amazing. It was just an incredible uh, week. Did it last after, like, did your, so was this during the summer or was it during the school year? It was during the school year. Oh, okay. Yeah. What did your, did it permanently alter your reputation? Like, did it, did it last? I felt like it, like that kind of, uh, the energy and the momentum that I had, like with the friends that I had carried on to the seventh grade after that. But then after that, my school districting changed and I had to go to a no school. Oh my God. So I was like right back where I started again. Um, but after that I was like, uh, didn't change any schools after that. But, um, that was disappointing. Cause I was like, I felt like I was, you know, hanging out with the kids that I liked and the, the popular kids liked me. And, uh, um, yeah, it was just, I just felt like I was doing well. I was doing, you know, the, the, the whole, uh, I don't know, school thing. It felt natural. And I was like, felt like I was, um, accepted, you know, the social aspect of the school yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. How was it before? Like at schools previous to that, had you ever felt a glimpse of that or was it like in schools before that I was constantly at the bottom of the food chain, blah, 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 blah. No, like in every, every school I went to, it was just so frustrating because I would like find the people I liked and then people, um, and then it would just like, you know, have to start all over again. And it just like was heart wrenching, like every single time. Um, uh, but yeah, I wasn't like, like, like a, a super like disliked nerdy person at every school before that. It was just like the whole, it was like the stability thing. Like that's what I was kind mm-hmm. of like craving. Mm-hmm. I think was like, okay, like I'm finally at this, this school district right now. And like, I can, you know, have the same friends for years to come, you know? Mm. So it was like enjoying that in the moment and in the moment, enjoying this glimpse of the future that it felt like you had. Yeah, yeah, kind of. And you didn't have a sense of like, oh, I'm probably going to have to, every time did it feel like you were at the final school? No, every, well, yeah, yeah. Every time I was like, oh, okay. Like I never thought any, any time, every single time I was like, oh, okay. Like this is the, this is the school I'm going to be at for you know, the rest of the rest of my life, I'm going to be in this school for the rest of my life. Like, you know, uh, <laughs> what happened with the girl? Um, we ended up dating that like after that, like she had, uh, asked me out. So it was like, it was like, you know, in sixth up, grade, up, 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 up. Yeah. 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 Dating. Um, yeah. Like we were like boyfriend and girlfriend, like, a, wow. you know, uh, you know, like a sixth grade, like romance. Sure. Like, sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, it was like, uh, but you know what? There was a downside to that because I had like these friends that lived close to my house and they were like really, really nerdy and liked, like, you know, anime and like I did too. I liked all that nerdy shit. And she was like, you can't like hang out with those kids. Like those nerd, like you're kind of like the, like, 
you're in like the you know you've like leveled up you know what i'm saying and i was like and i was like yes like i i and i like told the the friends Uh, that i was like like sorry like i can't like you know hang out with y'all anymore because like i'm kind of like leveling up socially oh my god (laughs) yeah and uh and after that like you know that relationship like fizzled out. I was like, sorry guys. Like, <laughs> like went right. Back. And did they accept you back? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They accepted me back. Yeah. Wow. Totally. Like, yeah. Anime fans with a heart of gold, dude. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it sounds like just that whole week. So the, the class was called outdoor education or the, what did the week have a name? It was like the week was called outdoor ed. Like, I don't know oh, if this is a thing that okay. they do in like public schools in Ohio or something. But, Not in uh, my public school in Ohio. Yeah, but yeah. That, uh, it was called outdoor education. And it Do you was remember just all about like where it was? Was it like yellow? Did you go to Yellow Springs or did you go to? I, I don't remember at all. Like I have no okay. idea of like where it was in Ohio. In Ohio, and it was just like start to finish every day. You wake up and you're like, ah, like everything's amazing, and every moment of every day this whole week, you just feel like you are as in the pocket of life as you could possibly be. Yes. It felt like every day got like better and better. And it was like the, I think like being outdoors was like really like, it was so new to me. I was like, man, I'm like, I felt like I'd never been outside before. Like, <laughs> like I lived in like a, like a cul-de-sac, you know, like I never went out. We, my family is not like a, like camping or mm-hmm. nature thing. Like I was like, man, like this is what outside is like. Holy shit. Like, <laughs> It sounds like you were the perfect student for this class and got the exact lesson they wanted kids to take from it. Totally, totally. And I think I like, uh, yeah, I think it's like, you know, kids are supposed to be outside and like play outside and, you know, I was like, I I was very much like addicted to video games and like that type Mm -hmm. of stuff, so. Um, I think it was just such a, a, a environment shift, and my parents were going through a divorce like that year too. So I think it was like a nice like, oh, I'm escaping my house, which is like um, was kind of tumultuous at that time. So I think that had a big factor. In that. That's a whole other. Th- so this was yeah. after they had started the divorce process, or before you found out. No, this was like they had started it and my dad like slept on the couch of our house for like almost a year maybe after that. So they were like cohabitating, Mm. you know, post like we're getting a divorce. Um, So it was just like, you know, bad home life. And that was that that was that that had to have been a huge factor in it because I was like, thank God I'm like away from like the, the all of that you know what i'm saying of course i mean that's that, like, like the, the setup to stuff. the story you're like yeah. the story needs a little bit of context um i had moved a lot <laughs> the story needs the context of my parents were right. i should have said that i should have said that like uh first thing but yeah yeah they were like uh going through a divorce and it was like uh yeah i think it was just good to like get out of the fucking house like the, that that energy like that that was there What's your coma in the sense of like my coma, 
not a literal coma, just anything great or small that represents a transformation where before you were one version of yourself and after you became, you shed a layer or you changed entirely just some moment of personal transformation. I think it would have to have been when like it was uh, the 11th grade, I believe I went on, you know, I said, I didn't go on a vacation. I went on, my mom took us to Florida for like the first vacation I had been on since uh, like I went to like Disney world when I was, you know, like four years old or something like that. So we just went to like Florida and stayed in a hotel, but on the way there, I randomly picked up a book called happier and it was just about, it was like written by some like Harvard uh, psychologist. And it was just like about what, being happy is about, you know, like, and uh, I had this like epiphany moment where I was like, okay, I can either be like the funniest person at the office, you know, like I was, I I didn't really know what the fuck I wanted to do. I was like, had, was so directionless in uh, up until this point, really. And, uh, and it was like, the book was kind of saying like, do what you, enjoy like money doesn't matter um that was like kind of the the thesis of maybe that chapter i was reading when i had this like epiphany moment where i was like it was just where i was like i'm gonna like spend the rest of my life doing comedy because i really enjoy it and i want to like uh be have a have a fulfilled happy life and i feel like that's going to um give it to me because I don't want to work in an office and uh, have a, have any type of like, you know, quote unquote real job. Um, and you were thinking so about this like, as like a junior in high school. I don't know if it was like, I feel like the pressure was like, it was at that time when it's like, everyone kind of is like, yeah, I'm going to like go to college to do this or that. And I was kind of like, I, I like, I really loved like doing comedy, but it was one of those things of like, I, I didn't know it could have been, it could be a career really. And, um, you'd been doing comedy before that. No, no. I was just like really interested in like comedy in general. Like I would write jokes and like toyed around with, you know, uh, wanting to do like, like everyone would tell me like, you should do stand up like that. I was like the funny kid. And, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, that was the moment when I was like, okay, I'm going to like do this like for real. And then I felt like this, this like motivation that like had never existed before within me. I felt like I had like a purpose in life, you know? So what did that lead you to? Like, did you start, like, did you like do the local, local, like comedy sports or something like that? No, I was in a a class. I went to like a, or inside of my high school, there was a career center like class that you could take. Um, that was like an offshoot of this actual career center in Columbus. Um, and it was called multimedia. And it would just, it focused on like a, a various amount of things, but it was like website design mainly. 
and but also in that it taught you how to do like video videography and uh like graphic design and stuff so i just took that class because i liked uh making like videos with my friends like that was like my favorite thing to do was just like fucking around and shooting like little sketches and stuff like that so um that class is where i learned how to like edit videos and film stuff and uh after that i like just started i read like truth and comedy and like read about like uh just really got like deep into like who do i really admire in like the comedy world and like what did they do and and it was sharna halpern <laughs> yes <laughs> a young boy in columbus ohio reads <laughs> I wrote like a paper on like, cause we had to like write, uh, I don't know what for, but like for multimedia, I wrote like a paper on, I think it was truth and comedy or some, some like Chicago improv book. But I really liked like, um, like Anchorman was like the movie that I was like, I love mm-hmm. this movie. Like I was like, mm-hmm. remember where I was when I saw that I was like 12 or 13. And, uh, and I remember looking up, who directed it and i like never done that before and it was adam oh wow and and then i realized that he had written like all the will ferrell sketches that i really liked on snl because i was like you know the cast i really like was was around when i was like a kid it was the will ferrell kind of era and uh and he had written like all the the good like will ferrell sketches i was like holy shit like i love Adam McKay, like he wrote, he, and then yeah. he made like, you know, all those Talladega Nights and da da. Um, so I was just like, what did that guy do? Cause I, that's the person, him and like Conan O'Brien were the two people that I was like, like looked up kind of what their path was. And then I, it, it got, it made me mad. And in one thing, cause I was like, oh, like Conan went to Harvard and like that's definitely right. not happening right. for me. And yeah. that made me really sad actually. Um, because I was That's like, oh, fuck. That's such like, an interesting <laughs> I'm lesson. Not, I'm not going to be able to do that. Uh, yeah, right, right. This, like Adam McKay route. Well, it's really interesting, too. Like that moment of like even thinking to look for the director. That is such a like skeleton key moment where you're like, mm-hmm. like even now I spend so much time like wondering if there's something that I'm missing about getting to wherever the next goal is. Right. You know what I mean? Or like, yeah, like as something as simple as like, if, if you were really interested in like doing stand up at a specific club, like, but you don't have the email address, like getting the email address would be like a huge concrete thing. And just having the thought to go, who directed this is like, dude, your whole life fucking shifts. Yeah, totally. Totally. But what drew you to uh, uh, like a psychology self-help book by a Harvard guy when you were in 11th grade? It was literally just in the airport and I might have been like going through some shit. Like 11th grade was kind of a big transformation year for me, like in in a lot of different ways. Um, And I think I was like just kind of, I was just like bored and I was like, I I was probably like really depressed and, you know, thinking back on it. And I was like, just looking for something and that popped out to me. And I was like, just bought it on a whim, like no, no intention. I I didn't even like read a lot of books. Like I was just like, "Ah, I need something like 
on the flight, I guess, like, uh, I'll buy this with my Kroger, uh, bagging money. Yeah. Um, that I had. <laughs> so yeah, I had like no intentions of like, man, I'm about to like figure out some shit on this vacation. I was just like, uh, I, I think that's what you do in an airport. Like is you get a book and read on the plane. Like I, I don't, I had like no memory of being on a Right. Cause this well, is your I first vacation first, in forever. I think that too. was the first plane I had been on too. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So you're just in this airport bookshop, like play acting, like what you're like an 11th grader and you're like, ho hum, I guess I should have something for the plane. Like, <laughs> yes, you're, exactly. like you're like Macaulay Culkin <laughs> or some shit. Like, <laughs> yes. 100%. Yeah. Do you ever return to that like book or like Adam McKay or just like any of that experience when you're like having a dark night of the soul and you're like, dude, don't forget happier. This is the thing. Does it serve that function for you? Um, no, I don't go back to anything and I don't really remember like, uh, I don't have that book. Like I, I, should have it if it like changed my life, but I don't have that book <laughs> sure. anymore. Like I don't really remember much of what was in it. Um, I feel like it just served that kind of like bookend uh, moment of like, I think I just needed something to like, like something else to tell me like, yes, go. It's okay to want to do comedy, you know? And, and, and I think I'd been ruminating about it a lot that, year or maybe the years before that and i was like it was constantly in my head of like oh i would really love to like you know be like a talk show host or be like like will ferrell or something like that and uh and i think that was just like the 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 thing that uh that turned that next page paint your hell a hell custom oh, designed to torture you. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I think, I think it would be filled with people that really like want to like, just like a place where small talk never like it's just small talk forever you know what i'm saying like it doesn't you don't get deeper than that with anybody is uh it's just i guess like my hell is like a is a day job where everybody's doing small talk i really hated that so much where it's like um yeah like like just just talking about like oh what what are you watching you know like oh god i just did you ever try to puncture that? Did you ever try to break through and like connect with people? Um, I, I'm like, a, I, I work on this, but I'm like a very like, you know, night and day kind of mentality on some stuff. So I was like, kind of like with that specific thing at working my day job in Chicago, like at cars.com where specifically for a while, um, I was, uh, I was just kind of like, yeah, this is these, I'm never going to like make friends here. Like this is just work. I don't want to know anybody here at all. Like and I don't want anyone to know me. Um, 
and had a very bad attitude about um, working there. So yeah, I never, I never tried to really like connect with anyone at, at the office. Okay. How long did you have that job for? I think I worked there for like three years, but oh, like that's so long, dude. Yeah. But like before that, I like worked in other offices and stuff like that. No, I know. I think it's I was just, just like at that point where I was like, Ugh, I hate like, like spending all like the nine to five, like doing something I hate. And that, that was like what the antithesis of my life. I mean, I talked about just before, like uh, working a day job was like, I, I just, my mission and after I graduated college was like, don't work a day job as fast as you possibly can. Like, you know, cause I just hate corporate culture and I hate working in corporations so much. Well, that's why three years is like mind blowing to me. Cause it's like, once you have that realization and once you consciously are aware of that, waking up and like, stepping into the building it's all miserable and it just becomes physically excruciating and to do that for three years i mean i had jobs like that but then towards the end of having jobs like that i could not last longer than like nine months at a place yeah and a lot of those months were like me calling in sick two days a week yeah, I like got to the point where I was kind of like cheating at my job where I would work, you know, like probably 40 minutes actually work, yeah. you know, a day. And I feel like a lot of people there were doing the same thing, but I was really like stretching it. Like I'm just basically like, like on G chat all day, like, oh yeah. Shit. Um, so I was like a little bit thankful that I it wasn't like, it was a job that you kind of like game a little bit um and i was definitely doing that but still the monotony of like having to like wake up early and and on top of that you're like you know like as a performer you're you have a whole new life after work that nobody else in the office has they go home and they don't do fucking anything you know what i'm saying and i would be like this is my day starts like after i'm off work you know yeah yeah I mean, yeah, it's really tempting to like condescend to people because you're like these fucking mashed potato people. They don't do anything (laughs) there, you know, but it's like, yeah, I I also made the mistake of not compartmentalizing. I think compartmentalizing and not compartmentalizing are both awful because when I would not compartmentalize and just be myself more at these places, I would get a lot of those people going, you're weird. You're so crazy, you know, and you're like, no, I'm just like making jokes like that's not that weird you know and uh but then people are like oh you know then you have to talk to people about what you do outside of work and it just becomes and you're spending energy on i've noticed not having performed since uh like lockdown ended for me personally like i am putting way more energy into making people laugh in social settings because i feel Mm -hmm. like i need it So it's like, and that's energy that you like when you're in a work environment and actually actively performing, you're like stealing it from totally that after work time. Like I need to rest. Like I would legit like sleep on the toilet at one of my jobs Mm -hmm. because I was Mm -hmm. like, just so like exhausted from 
getting done at like 1 a.m. and getting up at like 6 a.m. every day. And it, it was just like, it, it's, it's crazy the shit that these youngsters do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like the, the energy that I had back then. Oh, God. I know. And it was, and so much of it was poured into fucking cars.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just, oh, uh, God. <laughs> Happy to be on the other side. Fuck cars.com. Fuck cars.com. Go to Auto Trader. They're direct competitive. Everybody. That's the show. Thank you so much for listening. Um, support the show. Go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Marr. Um, tell a friend if you like the show. Go to Nate's Instagram that's in the show notes. Go to my website and sign up for my newsletter at thisisdavemar.com. And I will talk to you next week. Until then, remember, you are a mist. You can do miracles. Miracles. You can do them. Have faith. You are human. <laughs>